Welcome to the Renew Life Church Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Well, good morning. Everybody good? So excited to be here and just to get to share with you this morning. If you're a first-time guest, can we welcome our first-time guest? Thank you so much for coming. This is our family, and we just welcome you into it. We might hug, we might cry, we might, who knows what. We're family. Family's weird sometimes, right? Anybody else got a weird family? Somebody testified, thank you, that I was not the only one. So, so, so thankful and so honored to be here. I have to say, really quick, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this, uh, but he's not in here. I can't do that. Well, bless him wherever he's at. He's probably doing ministry somewhere. It's really important, Braden. Anyways, uh, we've been. Uh, I had I had just one thing that I wanted to jump into really quick. I just feel like uh, this morning I was praying. Is there anyone on the back row? And you don't have to turn around and look back there. Is there anyone on the back row that's dealing with some kind of uh, hip? problem or you've got some kind of like uh, disease in your family that has something to do with your hips. Is that anyone back there? No? Perfect. Well, good. Glad you're healed. (laughs) Just wanted to go for it. You never know. I need to, these tall guys, some were blessed with it and some weren't. (laughs) I wasn't. Last few weeks, we've been sharing on these scriptures, two sets of scriptures in particular, and, and we've taught it in youth, we've taught it on Sunday mornings, but starting in Luke chapter 4 is the first place we're going to go. And Jesus is reading this, and I want you to understand, Jesus is reading this as Jesus the man, not Jesus God. But he says this, he says, so he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up as his custom was, and when he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. This is Jesus the man speaking. So when Jesus the man is speaking, I want you to understand that you could also partake in this too. This should be you speaking out of your mouth as well. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Moving on, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, has been another scripture that we've been pounding on lately, and it says this, But you shall receive power, say power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me, and I will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon me. Before we go any further, let's just pray. God, I just ask that you do, you do what you do. Holy Spirit, I just ask, would you come? Would you come so kindly like you always do? You're so faithful to meet needs even needs that we don't even know that we have, God. But I just pray that this morning that there would just be a difference in the atmosphere. I pray that there would be a difference uh, in our hunger and a difference in, in what we're, we're, uh, we're, we're hungry for, that our appetite grows for, for the things of God this morning. God, and I just expect you 
to do above and beyond all that we could ask, think, hope, or imagine. I thank you that you're on me, that you're in me. We accept you, and we lean into you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all happy to be here? I honestly believe that the dynamic and the climate of our church's atmosphere is changing. I believe that we're starting to see things that we've never seen before, things that people have prayed for 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 years and years and years and years to happen in Midland, Texas, and I believe that we're partaking in the beginning of it. You're a part of that. I want you to celebrate that. I want you to just be thankful for that. Uh, God has been speaking to me about positioning, positioning ourselves within the world around us in such a way that God gets glory. Now, when I'm talking about uh, positioning, it's also elevation, elevating yourselves in such a way that people see you. Now, when I say elevation and I talk about elevation, I'm not talking about promotion. See, self-promotion is really, really dangerous, and self-promotion glorifies you. Elevation, putting yourself out there, putting yourself in the front to be seen, it actually just glorifies the Father in heaven. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 14, says this. It says that you are the light of the world. That's you. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand, and it gives light to those who are in the house. It says, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works, but they glorify the Father in heaven. Our position is everything when it comes to growing and expanding the kingdom of God. When we're positioned correctly, when we're elevated correctly in the eyes of men around us. I'm not talking about being prideful and I'm not talking about being arrogant. I'm talking about being positioned in such a way that you say, this is what God's done for me and he could do it for you too. That's, that's, that's elevation where God gets the glory. That's not self-promotion. Positioning ourselves is done sometimes by just being vulnerable and testifying of the goodness of God and what he's done for us. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says this. It says that they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. So you've got the blood and you've got a testimony. See, the blood cleanses and redeems. The blood is the thing that seals our identity in Christ. If you think back to Exodus, when Moses is trying to get Pharaoh to release the children of Israel, it says that when the, when the angel of death swept through the country, what did he see? Every house that was marked by the blood of a lamb, every house that was identified as this is the house of God, these people, these people uh, belong to the Father, it passed over them, and it did what it intended to do to the people that weren't marked by the blood of that lamb. How much more so are we marked by the blood of Jesus, the lamb of God? So you've got the blood and you've got a testimony. Testimony is literally this. It's a personal, it's personal evidence that God is good and he's good to you. We all have one. You know, I feel like my entire life uh, in, in Christ and like everyone else's is just a giant testimony of the goodness of God and his never-ending mercy. You know, I wasn't set up to have the life that I have. I, I wasn't set up to be in full-time ministry. That's not the way that I was raised. I wasn't raised in church. I didn't really see church, uh, honestly. Uh, um, I saw a lot of other things. I partook in a lot of other things. I, I saw divorce at a young age, at eight. Uh, 
I've been through some of that. I've seen addiction run rampant in my own home. I've seen family members be strung out on drugs and addiction and alcoholism be something that just everyone partook in. And the statistics say that, Cody, you should be doing the same thing. I remember I moved home from from Lubbock, and I was going to school in South Plains uh, Junior College in Loveland. I'd moved home, and my stepdad's little brother, whom I'm really close to, he comes over and he brings this DVD to my house. And this is like 2005. And uh, he's like, you've got to see this. This is unbelievable. He pops in this DVD, and, and what comes on the screen is this guy, and he's waving his jacket, and he's waving his hands at people, and people are like falling down under the presence of God. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm watching. <laughs> and people are getting out of wheelchairs and people are getting healed and all this stuff. And I'm like, there is no possible way I believe any of that garbage. I'm just being honest. I'm like, I don't believe it. And he couldn't believe that I didn't believe it. And I said, you're crazy as he is. <laughs> he said, listen, if you'll go with me to one of this guy's services, I'll never bother you with Christianity again if you don't feel the presence of God. He was, that, he was that confident in what God could do. And I said, you got a deal. So April 15th, 2005, I'll never forget it. We go to Oklahoma City. I think that even Motley Crue was playing in this venue the night before, which is kind of strange. <laughs> Shout at the devil. And then Benny Hinn. So we go to this Benny Hinn crusade, and, and if anyone's ever seen Benny Hinn, he's the guy that's got the memes where he's throwing fireballs like Street Fighter, and people are falling down in the spirit. And, and so literally, I go from like partying two nights before to walking into this place, right? And I'm like, I'm there to win a bet. Like, I ain't believing nothing. Like, this, this is not, not going to work for me. I noticed that there was a girl that came in that they rode into a wheelchair, and they put her on the floor because that's kind of where everybody was that, was that had a disability that couldn't get up into the stands. And She had a black dress on and, and purple polka dots. And, and I said, God, if you'll do something with her, maybe I'll believe. So worship starts. And, and, and I have to say, uh, at one point, Benny gets on and he's leading this hallelujah. And it's the worst thing you've ever heard. I'm just being honest. But listen, when, when 16,000 people start singing the same thing and they're literally praising the Most High, you can't stand in it. So I'm literally trying not to believe and I get just knocked down in the presence of God. The, even the fragrance in the room smelt way different. I've never smelt it like that before. Five times in my whole life have I smelt the presence of God. That was the first time. I just experienced the love of the Father in a way that I had never, I didn't even know it was possible. I watched that girl at the end of the service get up and walk out of there as normal as I did. What I didn't tell you is five minutes before worship started, she got up to, I don't know if she was going to the restroom or what she was doing, but she looked like uh, she, had, she was bent over. It looked like she might have had a, a hip that was dislocated. She literally was in just crazy pain and agony. She was getting help to go where she was going. And I'm telling you that she walked out as normal as I did. And I said, you got me. You win. What else do I do? I can't, I can't stand in your presence. I've never felt anything like this. I've been drunk before, but I've never been this happy when I was drunk before. Like I was literally drunk on the Holy Spirit. Fast forward, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and I instantly got a vision. I mean, within minutes. And I, was, I, I remember I'm trying to speed this up because for some reason I have nine minutes. Now I know what you feel like. Bless you. 
and I'd gone to this, uh, we had this Bible study that me and a, f- a few friends did. And this one morning in particular, a girl had brought some friends with her that she led in a young, a young uh, teenager's group. They were about 16 years old. And I'd never met them before. Seemed like they were nice. But that night, we were at another event, and my hands just go on fire. And, and one of those girls' my, uh, faces was brought to my attention. And so I literally, after this guy's finished, like I'm wiping my hands on my pants, they're sweating. And I've got to be careful of where I'm wiping. I can't wipe inside the thigh because people might think that I use the restroom. Like I am literally just wiping sweat off my hands. Like it was just the power of God on my hands. A healing anointing, I guess, is what it was. And so afterwards we go to her home because I felt like there was something going on with her. So she says, you're not going to be able to come to my house. My parents won't allow it. So the girls that were with us went, carried her into the front, front of the front lawn. They sit her down, and so I get on my knees, and she's looking this way, and her legs are this way. And I began to pray for healing because she had something like a Charlie horse. She couldn't walk. Totally fine that morning. And so I began to pray, and as I began to pray, a demon manifests out of her mouth. Now, I don't know if y'all ever been hanging out with demons, and you knew it, but it's kind of weird. This demon starts speaking to me, and it knew my name. It starts to begin to tell me that, Cody, this, this girl will forever be claimed for the kingdom of darkness, and she'll never come to the kingdom of light. And it began to just speak, and, and I, I can't explain to you what this voice sounded like, but her mouth was moving, and it wasn't her voice. I knew two things. I knew that the blood of Jesus was powerful, and I knew that the name of Jesus was the greatest thing that I had access to. And I just began to war against this thing in this very moment. And I watched it all leave her. I watched a demon leave her, and I watched her walk into her house with no issues at all. I, it was the first time in my life that I knew that the anointing of God, the power of God, was on my life. You know, I'm glad that that, I'm glad that, that, um, that demon knew my name. It just let me know that I was on their radar as someone that causes trouble. I hope that at some point your name would be on their radar too as someone that is inflicting pain on the kingdom of darkness. Why do I share these things with you? I'm trying to provoke you to this place of belief and expectation that God can and wants to use you in ways like this and even more. See, I love being in the presence of God. I love the glory of God and the glory of God is the presence of God. It is him manifesting himself to us. But I have to tell you, I've been through so much and I've seen so much turmoil and grief in my family that I don't just need the presence, I need the power that comes with his presence. Like I've seen enough that I just want to make war against the enemy. And the only reason and the only way I'm going to be able to do that is if I have the anointing. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that is if you have his anointing. Now what would you need to use the anointing for, you ask? I'm glad you said that. Mark chapter 16 says this, verse 17. And these signs shall follow those that believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues and they shall take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. That is what we're designed to do with the anointing of God, the power of God. We were made to war. You were made to war. I was made to war. We're literally made to to cause a ruckus within the kingdom of darkness so that the kingdom of light grows. We're literally uh, designed to pull people out of their places of funk and into the kingdom of light. 
You say, I can't do that. Cody, I can't do that. I can't speak like you. I can't pray like people. I can't, I can't do all of these things. Anyone and everyone that's ever had any significance in the kingdom of God understood that without the anointing, they couldn't do any of these things either. That's the reality. I dropped public speaking two times in college because I was so afraid to speak in front of people. But with the anointing, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. When I have the anointing on my life, I can do things that don't even make sense. You ever heard of people picking up cars when they're on somebody after a wreck? That is the anointing. That is the power of God because that soul is more important. It's the anointing. Everyone has access to the presence of God, but when the Spirit of the Lord has come upon you and you receive power, now you have something to use against the enemy in your own life. See, the only thing that's different about people that are walking around and people that are, that are causing a ruckus is the anointing. Some say yes and some say no. I'll be honest, like for a long time, I was like, I don't think so. Like, I, yeah, I've seen you do some things, but I don't know if you can do them all the time. He literally wants to do this all the time. Let me tell you, he also wants you to use your anointing, whatever anointing that you have, whatever you feel comes upon you when the Spirit of the Lord is on you, he wants you to use it for the purpose intended. So if you're a businessman, he might say, I'm going to let you, I want you to use your anointing to close a business deal because there's a soul attached to it. If you're a teacher, he says, I want you to bring anointing, your anointing to the classroom that's overpopulated and bring peace to it. That's what the anointing can do. Like we say, oh, I'm afraid that, that, that if, if we don't do something about our teacher situation, that our school system's not going to get any better. What if we just equip teachers to use the anointing that's on their life? Just saying. We're just normal people that serve an incredible God, that have a great dad. I think about Paul the artist formerly known as Saul, right? This joker was crazy. Like, literally, Stephen, a disciple of Jesus, says that he's full of power and the Holy Spirit, says some things to some people, and they don't like it. And they said, we're going to stone him to death. Paul literally gives his consent and says, yeah, make sure that this happens. This is who Saul was. I say Paul because they're interchangeable because later he becomes Paul. Saul has this encounter on the road to Damascus, like some of you know, where he's blinded. Has an encounter with Jesus and things take off from there. He literally grows in, in strength and in the Holy Spirit. He begins to walk and use the anointing that's on his life. In Acts chapter 19, it talks about how even the garments they were on his body. His handkerchiefs and his aprons were sent to people that were sick and that pe the people that were sick were getting healed because of just coming in contact with his clothing. The word anoint literally means to smear or to rub in. He was in so much of the presence of God and he was using so much of the anointing that every time he got back in the presence, God was literally smearing his power into Paul's clothing. And he was sending it out and it was literally driving out demons and it was literally healing people. You know what's really funny about that whole story is there's some, some people that are traveling their itinerant exorcists, meaning they get paid to exorcise demons from people, set people free. It says, hey, we're going to exorcise this man. So they start to exorcise the demon, do an exorcism on this man. They say, we exorcise you by the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. 
It says that the, the spirit, the, dem, the demonic spirit came out of this man, overpowered them, stripped them of their clothes, beat them till they were naked, and they ran away. They didn't have the anointing. But Paul's clothes could be sent, and demons would leave. You have to use what you have. The moment that you step out, the moment that you use what you have, God says, I can trust him and I can give him more. He who has, more will be given. Even what he seems to have will be taken from him. What is he saying? Steward what you have. Use what you have. If your anointing is set on you today just to smile at someone, smile at someone. He'll give you more. If that's a stretch for you and say, it's going to take a lot of power for me to shake a hand today. It's going to take a lot of power for me to smile today. It's going to take a lot of power for me to greet the greeter that's so happy to see me. Use your anointing for whatever you need to use it for, and he'll give you more. The Holy Spirit is this. He's a gentleman. It says this in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. It says, if then you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? The Holy Spirit won't force you to do anything, but he's waiting for you to do something. He's not going to force you to do anything, but he's waiting for you to just do something. And the moment that you do something is the moment the anointing and the power of God increases on your life. I want to close with this. I know that we read Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. I want to read the very last sentence of it. It says, and they did not love their lives to death. They did not love their lives to death. Abandonment to the Holy Spirit is a must in living a life of power. Daily you invite the presence of God into your life. Daily the Holy Spirit comes upon you and daily you walk out of the presence with, with the power and you use the power. Last Sunday's, uh, last Sunday's outpouring of the presence of God in this place was incredible, it was sweet, but I'm telling you it's not enough for you today. Leftovers don't stay at my house in a, a week. I, I don't eat leftovers that are a week old. Why would I do it within the kingdom? Like, why would, I, why would I just feed only on last week's leftovers, lastly, last week's word, last week's moment in the presence of God, last week's anointing? We have to get this. There are people around us that are suffering. You're suffering. You could use the anointing in your own life. When will you become available? After a fishing season or lake season or after you feel like you're fixed up enough from your addiction, when are you going to be available? He's not gonna make you do anything. He's just waiting for you to do something. Something that sometimes says, yes, God, you can use me. Yes, I'll, I, I've been running, let's say, and I'll just use the thing that you've put in front of me. The moment that you do, you get more. The moment that you do, you'll get more. When is enough enough? I think that that's the point. When is, when is the things that are going on in your life enough that you say, you know what, I gotta have something other than what I'm getting. I gotta have something, there's gotta be more to this whole thing than just me coming to church, hearing a great word, worshiping and, and drinking coffee and having donuts and feeling warm and fuzzies inside of me and me leaving and then having to do it all over again because I left the anointing at church on Sunday. There's more. Like literally every single one of you 
just like me might have a story that says, I came from a broken home. I've been involved in drugs and alcohol. I, I, I've, I've been, um, I've done it. Paul said at one point in 1 Timothy, when he was talking about sinners, he said, of whom I am the very worst. But your clothes are sent to heal people? God wants to use you, the most unlikely person, to do the most incredible things. And he can, if you'll let him. Can I pray for you? We hope you loved our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great rest of your day.